0: come on thanks man can we also give it up for his biceps come on that'd be great just intimidating me all day (laughs) what's up church (laughs) oh man i'm so excited shout out to everyone in here as well as online and also I uh, just want to just honor your amazing pastors, Pastor Eddie and Roxanne are just literally two of the best, uh, I know Katie and I and our family have really enjoyed getting to know them, and uh, I mean, you can't not love those guys, come on somebody, I mean, they're just, they're the best, they speak India, also, you know, he's just always, you know, looking clean, looking fresh, you know what I mean, keeping that standard high for all of us, so, um, but uh, they're, they're incredible. They may have said they're in Washington. I actually saw some pictures of them on the beach in Maui, so I'm not sure what that... i uh, just <laughs> just playing. Uh, you know, keep praying for your pastors. You know, it's, it's amazing sometimes you think, oh, man, they're the man and woman of God. They're probably all good. You know what? Sometimes we're on those front lines of, pushing the kingdom forward, man, they need prayer, you know what I mean, they need a church that is rallying around and and lifting their hands up in prayer, amen, amen, Amen. well hey, I'm excited to get in the word in just a moment, and I got my beautiful family with me here, my wife Katie right here, wave everybody, we've been married just over 15 years, shocking, I know I don't look that old. Everyone's shocked, I'm sure. Uh, fit, over 15 years, and I have my two beautiful daughters, my youngest one here on the left. This is Kenzie Grace Duth. Did you want to take a bow or anything? Wave at the peoples? All right, there we go. I named her Kenzie because it means fiery princess. And that's what she is. And then my eldest, the firstborn, Mercedes Kate Duth, and she's nine. And I found out that Mercedes, at least the definition I found, you know how definitions are, means bringer of mercy. It's a reference to uh, when Jesus was the Mercedes. He was the mercy bringer. And then her middle name's Kate, which is after a beautiful mom, which means purity. So it was this declaration that it's the mercy of God that causes us to stand pure Before God. So I love my family. They're amazing. They're incredible. And I'm actually going to have my eldest daughter, if she's willing to come up here and help me kick off this message by reading one of the verses. Could you welcome Mercedes Duke? Okay, hello. Skills. Skills. Okay, so we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Put it on un, or under. Wait. Oh yeah. Neither do people light a lamp and on it on its stand it under a bowl. Under a bowl. That's all right. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it's given light to every one in the house. In the same way, they may see you. Let go- your oh, let your light shine for men that they may see your good deeds and praise. There it is. Come on. You're, gonna, you're just going to jump? You're going to go for it? There it is. Pastor Mercedes, great word. Is that your first official preaching on a Sunday? Let's go. Chalk it up. <laughs> Oh, man, what a great verse, and we're going to unpack that over the next little bit. Um, It's really the word I felt God really gave me for 2019. I I don't always, you know, feel like I have to get dialed into, like, a word, a passage for an entire season, because, you know, God's word is new every day. gives us fresh word every day, but there was something as I was ending 2018, just praying and read over that verse, and I just felt like the Holy Spirit just said... That's 2019, and so first services, I actually preach a different word that I believe will also encourage you as well, but you can listen to the podcast or YouTube, whatever, to get that, but service number three, you get the fresh stuff. You get the hot off the press for 2019. You guys ready? All right, let me pray, and then we're going to get into it. Father, thank you for this amazing church. God, just... Bless Restoration Life Church. Bless Pastor Eddie and Roxanne. Let the fruit of this ministry just extend well beyond any of our lifetimes. God, let it reach the city and the cities beyond. God, let the nations record that this church, this community, these people were in it in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. I love that first line. You are the light of the world. What a declaration that is. Now, in one sense, you're like, okay, I like that, it's a great verse, I've heard it before, but think about it, Jesus, the Messiah, the one and only, the the Son that came into the earth, God says, Jesus says in that moment, you, that's you and me, are the light of the world. I remember when I first kind of heard this, and was reading through it, the instinct thought, I don't know if you're like me, I thought, wait a second, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. How, How come Jesus... Is telling the disciples, how come he's telling you and me today that we're the light of the world? I, I thought that was him. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the one who came. Why would he tell the disciples that? And the reality is yes, Jesus is the light of all men. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the light of life. He's the salvation of humanity. But then Jesus, if you remember, it says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. He makes this declaration to us and basically he gives us delegated light is how I like to describe it. He is the light, but then through each and every one of us, we extend the light of Jesus Christ into the entire world. You are the light of the world. You're the lights. Man, you know what? It doesn't take very much to look around and realize there's some dark places in this earth. right? There's some areas of, of pain. In our communities. There's areas of hopelessness in our world, you know, drug abuse or you know, loneliness, depression, um, you know, just relational dysfunctions and, and and addictions. And I mean there's so much that can be faced. And sometimes we can pray and say, Come on, God, you know, do something. And he looks at you and me and he says, Go. He looks at you and me, he says, I'm sending you. He says, I did do something. I sent Jesus. And now that light of Jesus Christ lives in every one of us who call on his name. And now he sends you and me to be light into our world. Because here's the reality that I want to remind you. That you, this church, Restoration Life Church, and you individually are the hope that God has sent intentionally to this city. You guys are not here on accident. This church isn't just here because it seemed like a good idea. You guys are actually the light of this city. You guys are the response of the cry of this city, and God sent you. You're not here as an accident. You're actually God-designed. This era, this season, this moment, God needs you individually in your world, in your workplace, in your families, in your community, and God has sent you collectively as a church. This ain't just a social club on Sundays. Right? This ain't just a glee club where we come and do some sing-alongs, you know what I'm saying? This ain't karaoke Sunday morning, right? This is Jesus' church that he has called, and he has sent you to this city for such a time as this. Do you believe it? He sent you here. You and me are a response of heaven to the pain of this city. You're a response. the, The light you carry has been delegated to you by Jesus and he has sent you to where you are as a response to the hurting people that are around you. And, you know, honestly, this is, how, this is how God works all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible, when the cry of a people comes up to God, he responds by sending an individual or by a group of people. It's a response of heaven. God is not deaf to the cry of his people. God is not distant from the cries of oppression and injustice or hurt or pain of any kind. He hears and he responds. Remember uh, Moses would be an example. The oppression of the Israelites rose up to heaven and God sends a deliverer named Moses. The, the, the pain reaches heaven and Moses gets dispatched by God to go and deliver the people out of the slavery, and out of the bondage. Moses was a response to the cry of a city. Gideon was another example of that, right? The oppression of the Midianites had fallen on the people, and they're crying out, and they're being, you know, uh, abused and taken advantage of by, by the Midianites, and they cry out to God, and God sends an unlikely hero named Gideon. I mean, Gideon is got to give any one of us hope. God shows up and says, get in, you mighty warrior. He's literally hiding because he's afraid in a wine cellar doing like threshing wheat. So there's nothing mighty or warrior-like about this dude whatsoever. And God just begins to prophesy over him, reminding him of who he is. And he's going, listen, I need you to step up and be the response to the hurting and broken people that are around you. We are a response. Samson was a response to the oppression. Esther was a response. Remember Esther's story, I love Esther's story. Esther is in this unlikely scenario, not by choice, and all of a sudden she gets elected as the the most beautiful woman in the land that pleased the king, and she gets this unbelievable favor. She's a, a, a Jewish girl living underneath an oppressive environment where her people have been taken over, But God elevates her for that moment. She's in the king's palace. She's in this royal position. And all of a sudden, if you remember the story, there's a plot. I mean, this would make a great move. There's a plot to assassinate her entire family line. There's a plot to take out all the Jewish people. And that seems like a recurring theme in history. Obviously, you can tell the enemy is desperate to take out God's people. And in this story... All of a sudden, the plot reaches Esther, her cousin Mordecai says, Esther, you gotta do something. You know, there's a plot to kill all the people. She sends a response. I can't do anything, I, I, ha- I have to be summoned. I mean, less of that like, you know, equal marriage equality stuff wasn't really happening in that day. She's like, I can't even go to the, my husband unless I'm summoned. I'm like, okay. <laughs> this is a little, little scandalous situation here. But she can't, she's not even allowed to go to the king's court. If she goes and he's in a bad mood, she can be executed, you know? So it's rough, you know what I mean? Ho- hopefully none of you guys are like that, you know what I mean? <laughs> You're watching that football game, your wife blocks the view for a second, you better simmer down, okay? <laughs> Watch it. Um, so in this moment, it's so interesting, Mordecai responds to Esther's natural fear, right? It's, it's a fearful moment. And she, he says to Esther, Esther, if you remain silent at this time, wow, well, what a statement. If you remain silent at this time, he says this, deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your household will perish, and I thought, man, what a statement that is. A lot of times we don't want to get in the middle of stuff. We were just like, we don't want to be inconvenienced by a situation. And so we can remain silent, thinking, man, somebody else is going to do it. Somebody else will be the light. Somebody else is going to be the response to the cry of a city. And God's challenge each and every one of us is to say, if we remain silent, you know what? Yes, the ultimate sovereign will of God. He he will work his ultimate end in earth, whether or not I obey or not. God is bigger than my one choice to obey or not obey. But the reality is that he has destined people for me and you to impact, to bring light to, to bring hope to. And it could be that if you remain silent, if you don't let your light shine, if you don't realize what you're carrying, your family, your coworkers, the people that God put you in the middle of to be the light to, they could perish and their family. That's right. If we remain silent, come on, let's not be a church that remains silent. Let's be a church that owns who we're called to be, that steps up to the, to the moment and carries this light that God has called us to. Amen? Yes. Uh, David was a response. And then ultimately, Jesus. Jesus was... The response of heaven to the cry of all of humanity. John 3:16, we know it well. For God so loved the world, right? Oh man, what 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 he goes, I'm so in love with these people that I've made that I'm gonna send, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna, I'm gonna release my only son into the earth. I mean, what what a statement. Jesus is this response of heaven. He's the response of the heart of God. This is Jesus coming to earth as the response to bring us back to him again, to bring us close in relationship with Jesus again. And then like I said earlier, then Jesus lives on earth and he's training up the disciples and then he kind of gives that final declaration to all of us. He goes, okay, authority's been given to me, now I'm releasing you guys to go make disciples. Go and bring this light to the world that's around you. And he tags you and me and we're it. And so now you and me are the light of the world. You and me have been strategically positioned in this city, in your workplace, in your region for such a time as this. And we cannot be silent. We cannot sit back and hope that somebody else is going to get to him. Because God has chosen you and me to be the extension of heaven. I love in 2 Corinthians... 520 says this, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though, watch this, God were making his appeal through us. Wow, what a what a way to phrase that. What a statement. God is trying to make an appeal. What's the appeal? Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. The appeal is that God loves you, doesn't want you to stay distant, doesn't want you to stay broken and hurting and in your sin and in your pain, the appeal is that you don't have to live like that. One of the songs you were singing, there's a better way, there's a higher way, there's a different way that God has. And you know what? Not that life is going to be perfect, but we don't have to live in pain and brokenness and bondages and addictions. There's a better way, and we get the chance to bring that hope. And who brings it? You and me. And we implore on Christ's behalf, on the Father's behalf, We get to bring this light to the world, amen? Amen. We get to be this extension of heaven and earth. And I believe that part of why this word was on my heart is to remind us as the church, let's not get too comfortable, right? Sometimes we can get settled into this feeling like I'm just kind of doing my own solo Christianity. I'm just kind of living my life and, and, and I go to church, but then I'm living my Monday through Saturday. But I'm telling you what, we get fired up in here on Sunday But we need to carry the light Monday through Saturday, amen? So Jesus kind of dives into this a little bit more, uh, like Mercedes had just read, and and he kind of explains it out a little bit. He basically gives us two analogies to help you and me understand when he says we're the light of the world, why would he say that? Why would he make that declaration? And how is that gonna work? And he kind of explains it with giving us a couple stories, a little bit like in the Luke chapter 15 passage where Jesus gives us three consecutive stories to help us understand something. So Jesus was trying in that passage, trying to get you and me to realize that we're massively loved by God and that he did everything he could to rescue us. So he tells the story of the hundred sheep that he lost one, the shepherd goes after it until he finds it, then they celebrate then he gives the other story about the lost coin that was very, very valuable. It lost, She lost it, he goes on an all-out search, finds it, brings it home, they celebrate. And then the, one of the more iconic stories in the whole Bible, the prodigal son story, right? The two brothers, the one leaves, gets crazy, comes back home, but the father loves him, receives him back, and they celebrate. And it's these three stories to illustrate the most beautiful story message in the entire Bible that God loves you and wants you to be close, right? I mean, how beautiful is that? And that's what then in this similar fashion, Jesus is trying to illustrate something here. So he kind of gives us a couple analogies. So he says, you're the light of the world. And he says, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. He says, neither do you light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone around it. So he says, you're like a city. You're not a city, so don't get self-conscious. You're like a city, okay? You're like a city. You're like a city that's set on a hill that can't be hidden. Think about it just practically for a minute. If, if you've built in ancient times and you're building a city, there's some advantages to being on a hilltop. There's some military advantage. But also from a traveling, uh, you know, finding home kind of a scenario, There's no GPS, you're trying to work on the stars and some rough mapping, and so one of the greatest things you could do to help make sure you can find home from a distance is put the city on a hill. And so from a long way home, I'm trying to find home, and I'm weaving through the terrain of that era, and all of a sudden from a distance, I can see the city that's on a hill, and I can navigate my way home, and I believe that that is one of the reasons why he says we're like a city on a hill. He said, I'm I'm putting you in a place that shines light in a region so people can find home again, right? Right. That above all of the noise and all of the kind of dips and mountains and valleys and pains and brokenness and hurting of, of life and the reality that we live in, that above all of that, elevated above all of that, he's put you to shine. And why? So that people can find their way home to Jesus. Amen? Can find the way home. That's why I love when we use terminology about church, like, man, it's home. Welcome home. It's a family. All of those are beautiful realities of being in the community of faith. And as we let our light shine, as, as we live this, this light, we actually get to guide people back home. We get to guide people back to Jesus, the, the other thing then the analogy gives is that um, not only are we a city on a hill, but he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gets light to everyone in the house. Now, if you're what I like to call an OG Christian, there's one song that y'all are thinking when I start talking about lights, bowls, don't hide it. Anybody familiar with the song I'm talking about? This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, right? And kids church, you know, got all the actions, you know, hide it on, no, okay. (laughs) I'm gonna let it shine, (laughs) right? And and then, you know, the don't let Satan (laughs) it out, right? So what's he talking about here? Why is he talking about lamps? Well, I think what, in a practical sense, if you're trying to light a room, you're not gonna put a lamp on the floor in a corner. That wouldn't make sense. Maybe a little backlighting, that might look nice, but it ain't gonna help for actually finding anything, right? So he's saying, listen, if we're gonna use a light, we're gonna we're gonna lift it up, and that light then is gonna give more room, or, or it's it's gonna illuminate more of the room so people can actually find their way. See. When he talks about that it's this lamp that's put up high so that you can see, he's actually talking about the term illuminate. It illuminates the room so people can see. And illumination is just revealing something that's already there. So you and me are designed. He's put you where you are. He's put you with this light on the inside of you to actually illuminate the path. See, the path to Jesus is already there. The, the road to finding Christ is already there, but He strategically put you where you are so that people can find Jesus, so they can find the way back to him, so that in the middle of all their stuff, you know, they can find the way back to Jesus. We need some people to, to bring the light into the world because if you ever walked through a dark room and you didn't realize something was there and you freaking just messed your shit up on like a coffee table or something like that, I mean, that's the worst, you know what I'm saying? Slamming your like head against something you didn't see because it was dark, you know, kicking stuff, hitting stuff, stepping on kid toys. I mean, just, I felt a couple people feel that pain there for a second, you know what I mean? Oh God. <laughs> Having flashbacks, stepping on Legos and stuff, you know? <laughs> the edges of those Legos specifically designed to torture parents' feet, you know what I mean? But our, our world is like that. They are bumping their way through their reality. They, they're hitting their head against walls. They're stepping on stuff that they don't need to be stepping on. You know, they're, they're creating unnecessary pain if they just had a light. If they could just see where they were going. You know, if they could just have something that would illuminate the path that could find their way back home to Jesus. And and it's that kind of visual to go, listen, I I need you to let your light shine. Uh, I'm calling you light because I need you to understand that you're not just going through the motions of of your life and your Christianity. I've put you in a city to shine. I've put you in in your workplace. You know, it doesn't mean that the current job you're in is going to be the job you're going to be at for the rest of your life. But I want to encourage you and me to not see maybe a position or job or a place that we're at as maybe, uh, you know, a, a pain or uh, an obligation maybe if you're not like enjoying it from a physical work standpoint, but see it as an opportunity. See it as an assignment, right? Your workplace is an assignment by God. Maybe you're like, man, why would he do that to me? Because there's somebody, there's somebody who's bumping their head against, you know, cabinets, kicking their shins on on the pain you know, end tables of life, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? And they just need somebody who will illuminate the path and help them see, show them where you've learned to walk, show them how you've found hope in the middle of difficult situations, amen? Amen. So we're like a city on a hill. We're like a lamp that illuminates the path. All of this, why? So that people can see Jesus. You and me shine not to draw attention to ourselves but to illuminate the path to Jesus. That's my life, that's why I do what I do, is that I'm gonna do the best I possibly can to let the light of Jesus shine through my life in a way that helps people find their way home, amen? Helps people find their way back to Jesus. You know, uh, anyone ever lost their phone before? (laughs) Once you're done crying, you're working through that. It's a dark time in any, any smartphone user's life. Lord help us in our phone addictions. But when you lose your phone, it was a little while back, I lost my phone. And I was, you know, you just like start to shake a little bit, cold sweats. <laughs> um, so I lost my phone, and I'm like, where is it? I can't find it. Also, I remember, oh, yeah, I've got the find my phone feature connected to my laptop. So I open up my laptop, and when you're trying to find it, you you click, like, there's like an alarm, like sound alarm deal, and what it does is when you click that find your phone feature, it will sound an alarm every once in a while, just continuously until you find it. And so as soon as you click try to find my phone, all of a sudden this this noise starts coming from the phone, and it will just consistently keep sounding until you find it right? And, and so all of a sudden, uh, if you've ever been that, you know, you're trying to find a phone, and you can hear the noise, you can hear it ringing, or you're, like, calling a friend's phone or something like that. You can hear it ringing, and you're, like, okay, you know, be quiet. Shh, quiet, 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 quiet. You're, like, unplugging the fridge so it doesn't make any noise, you know, you know, ear to the ground, <laughs> you know, you're try, trying to find this phone, looking for it, and, and, and it'll sound, and you run to one room, and then you're, like, no, it's not it, you know. Almost a little bit like those annoying, like, uh, Smoke detector alarms. You know how when one goes off and you can't find out which one it is, before you know it, you're taking bats to every one of them. Okay, but so this alarm is sounding, and I'm running from room to room, trying to listen for it, trying to listen for it. And every once in a while, just the sound will ring out. Every once in a while, sound keep ringing out until I kind of get closer, closer until I finally pin where the phone was, and I don't know if if one of my girls threw it under the bed. I I don't know what happened. My phone is like under my bed, like just randomly, like underneath it. I never would have found the thing in a million years, except that the sound kind of kept coming out of it. And I felt like as I'm thinking about this concept, I mean, that's a great analogy of how God has designed you and me to just consistently let the light of God out. You know what I mean? We're just continuously consistently broadcasting the goodness of God this this light this sound that's coming out of us that's a unique sound and there's a world around us that's looking for the direction they're trying to find every single person on planet earth realizes that there's something missing on the inside of them that only God can fill and and they try to find it they're they're trying to listen for the sound they're trying to they're trying to find their way to the light and they're trying to fill it with everything else, but nothing's nothing's working. And you and me are called by God to keep consistently shining that light and guiding people home little by little by little. And if we just, you know what? You, you may not be, you may not feel like you got the brightest, you know, flood flashlight of a light that's coming out of you. And you're just like, man, how are people going to find Jesus? I'm telling you what, in darkness, even a little light shines bright. You know what I'm saying? And if you just consistently let your light shine, consistently let that, that, that light come out, people will be able to hear it, see it, and all of a sudden, they find themselves back home, back with Jesus. Amen? So, let's talk just a little bit about what does that look like to kind of shine our light? What, what are some ways we can do that? I, I would just say first is that one of the most unbelievable things... That, that shines bright in the world that we live in is the love of God. And if you and me can extend love to people around us, that's one of the, the greatest things that we get to do to, to illuminate the path for people to find Jesus again. Loving people. And I'm talking about that no-strings-attached love. You know what I mean? Loving people just genuinely out of a, a, a pure heart to say, man, I love you, I appreciate you, going out of my way for people. The love that is not about, I'll do for you if you do for me. It's just real authentic love. Now, sometimes that's harder said than done, right? You know, Jesus actually gives us a crazy challenge when he says, love your enemies. What? What? That must be that misprint in the Bible. (laughs) That must have been lost in translation or something. Love your enemies. Pray for those who who mistreat you? What? Because Jesus knew that, remember when Jesus says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance? For each and every one of us, we came to a personal relationship with Jesus, not because, you know, we're just in complete fear and realize that, man, God hates me, and I better shape up, or he's going to track me down. I mean, maybe a little of us got a little bit of that fear at the beginning. But ultimately, I'm, I'm compelled to follow Jesus because of his great love for me, right? Because that even in the middle of my sin and dysfunction, he rescued me and said, I love you, and I've given everything to bring you close. Like, it's that kindness. Like the Bible says that even while we were still sinners, he died for us. I mean, that's the thing that is so unique about the, the God that we serve is that no other God is like that. No other God is that is compassionate and full of grace and draws us close to Him. Every, every other religion, every other false religion is about works. It's about an angry God who's keeping records of wrongs and tallying things up, and you've got to shape up and try to earn your way into some type of level of heaven, but not the God of heaven and earth, not the true God that we serve. He loved us. Full of grace, full of mercy, and he extends hope towards us. And so when you and me do that to people in our world, when we love, even when we don't feel like it, right? When we actually show grace to that boss who talked crap about us, or the coworker that feels like they're trying to shortcut us and sabotage us, you know what I'm saying? When we live like that, think like that, we begin to uh, extend grace to each other, it lets our light shine. You know, even in a practical sense, who here is married? Raise your hand. Some of y'all didn't want to admit it. That's weird. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Got you. No, I'm just playing. Looks like it's gonna be a long car ride home. So, <laughs> you know, my wife and I have been married for 15 years, and it's we're in the best season of the 15. But if you've been married for any length of time, you know that we've had some awesome seasons. We've had some just making it by seasons. Had some dry seasons. Had some roommate seasons you know what I'm saying like no, no marriage is perfect right and but one of the things in a simple way in a marriage standpoint is man if we can keep in the middle of walking through all that we keep expressing love to each other keep speaking the best about each other when you're around your other friends in your world and you keep speaking life and keep extending love to people even when there's frustrations even with those difficulties it sends love it sends a light it it, it, it it attracts people to something different in you. You know, or maybe, anyone whenever, you know, you walk through some real pain, right, of maybe losing a loved one uh, to maybe even a, a sickness or a disease, and, or you've just gone through extreme loss of some kind, and when you're in the middle of those painful moments and and people see something different on you, they see uh, they see a, a love that still continues even when you're in the middle of, of walking through some real hurt. We let our light shine. And I remember my brother Daniel and his wife Heidi went through one of the greatest pains any family can imagine. You know, their one of their young daughters had diagnosed with a, a brain tumor, and it wasn't long after that we tried surgeries, all kinds of stuff. This cancer just just went through her body, and we believed and we prayed for miracle. And I've seen so many great cancer healing miracles. It's unbelievable how good God is and His power, but in this situation, for whatever reason, of which I have no answer, she ends up passing away. And and in the middle of the, the greatest pain that any parent could deal with, you know, my brother and his wife just continue to say, you know what, we don't know all the answers to this, but we know that God is good, right? We know that He still heals, we know that He's still faithful. And we're going to keep serving him. And actually, he said, he said the devil's going to pay for this. <laughs> and living that kind of hope in the middle of extreme adversity, it don't mean you got it all together. It just means you're going to keep having hope. That shines light. So in the middle of your pain, you know, in the middle of the, that battle you're facing, you keep following Jesus, fighting through all that kind of stuff man, you're going to let light shine through you, and it's going to bring people closer to him. Amen? Amen. Here's another way that we we let our light shine is by living authentically. You know, a lot of times the world will condemn the church for being fake, for being hypocritical. Now, that's one of the most hypocritical things to say about anybody because every human has messed up and, and, and walks through their issues. So, that's, that's not really like something I put a lot of stock in. But the reality is, sometimes we buy into this religious lie as Christians that if I'm a Christian, then that means I have to be perfect. And then we, we, we mask everything. We pretend like we're not struggling. We pretend like we don't have issues. We pretend like we're not facing stuff. Or we, in our own dysfunction of feeling like we're trying to mask our issues, we have to turn around and condemn other people. And the reality is we might be dealing with the exact same thing that we're condemning in somebody else. And you know what? Nobody gets healed like that. Religion is one of the greatest things that that blocks the light of Jesus from coming out of your life. Think of it like this. If you bought a lamp for your house, but you got a a blackout shade that completely blocked the light, and you put the blackout shade around the lamp, and it, it would be completely ineffective. You have a lamp. You could turn it on but no light would come from this lamp. That's what religion does. Religion blocks the light that God designed to get through your life to humanity. He blocks it, and and nobody finds Jesus when we walk in religion. Nobody finds Jesus when I try to live a perfect, all put together, polished up, dialed in, blessed God, highly favored, no problems, blessed going in, blessed going out, and they're like, really? You look like life's struggling, you know what I'm saying? But you know what I mean? Or or you got drama, or you know, you got unforgiveness, and but it's like, you know what? The best way that we can actually let our light shine is by just letting the light come through the authentic reality of our lives. Life isn't gonna be perfect. You're not gonna bat a thousand, so to speak. You're not gonna win every time in life, you're not going to never fall, man. It, it, if we had to kind of bat a thousand for God to be pleased with us and to be accepted into heaven, we might as well all give up right now. But that's not what got us saved. Our good works didn't get us saved. So let's not pretend to live that way in the world that's around us. Let's do our best to authentically be honest about, man, if I'm struggling with stuff, I can talk about that. That doesn't mean I give into the struggles of my life, because ultimately I'm an overcomer through Jesus Christ. But if I just live out my life and kind of battle out my life in reality, go, listen, I am perfect, but I love Jesus. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus has saved me and set me free. If I can keep that kind of mode and and not feel like i got to put up perfect fronts, it's okay. You know what? I think one of the biggest things that the enemy tries to get us to silence the voice of the church or to get us to kind of turn off the light in the world is that we think that I got to be perfect to let my light shine. And we get up here and we say, hey, come on, let's let the light shine. You're like, yeah, I want to. But that one time when I kind of cheated by hours at work, now I got a tainted situation so I could never really admit that I'm a Christian or that one time when, you know, uh, went out with the boys to celebrate a birthday party, and they're at a bar, and I had a few too many, and now, how am I supposed to tell people to come to church with me? Oh, right? And all of a sudden, I start. People go, "Man, I saw the way you yelled at your wife." You know, man, the way you treat your kids, and all of a sudden, I'm like, "Oh man, I'm, I can't let my light shine because I got issues." And, and that's one, again, it's one of the lies of the enemy to go, listen, you can't tell people you're a Christian unless you're perfect. But we don't become a Christian because we're perfect. That's right. <laughs> we actually follow Jesus because we are desperately flawed. Wow. <laughs> and we need Jesus. Amen? Amen. We need Jesus. <clears throat> so if you're trying to share your faith or invite someone to church and they call out your sin, let's go, you're right. <laughs> I messed up. And that's why I need Jesus. And so do you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Even if you feel like you just got just a little light, <laughs> let it shine. Let it shine. Invite somebody. Last thing I'm gonna close up. We'll the band come up and join me. Is just let your passion. Passion is one of the best ways to let your light shine. You know when you're passionate about something talk about. It. You know what I mean? Any, any, any passionate Rams fans in the room here? Come on somebody, come on somebody. Okay, now you're gonna be quiet on me. come on Rams. where any Rams fans? All right? Any Patriots fan? <laughs> not trying to call you out. He's like, bro, I don't, I'm not trying to get jumped in the parking lot. Come on somebody <laughs> I'm from Seattle area for a while. Any Seahawks fans? Yeah, I see the Lord on you guys. It's a special touch. <laughs> uh, when you love something, you talk about it, right? And yeah, you love a good movie, you're like, I just saw the best movie. You know what I mean? Good food, ah, oh, dude, that steak I had last night, Jesus, that was so good. Right? I'm going to talk about it because I love it. If Jesus has done something in your life, talk about it, Amen. right? And I think sometimes you get nervous, like, well, I don't want to be some weird, Bible-thumping Christian. Well, don't be. <laughs> you can be passionate without being weird. Amen. You know what I mean? Let, let your light shine means that I, if if he's done something in my life, I'm going to talk about it when I get a chance to, you know? It, it's a little bit, it's simple, Right? Let's say on Monday someone says, hey, how was your weekend? Talk about what you did Friday night. Talk about what we did on Saturday with the family. Talk about the game. But just don't leave out the fact that you came here, right? It's a simple thing, but it's, it's easy. I, I know how that feels. I'm a preacher, and I still t- sometimes will have, not, not steal as if I'm unique because I'm a preacher, but I just want you to let you know that this isn't like all perfectly easy for me either. I'll still be in moments where I have to go, like, catch myself wanting to be nervous that I'm going to talk about Jesus or talk about church. Because I'm like, oh, what if they don't like that? What if they think that's weird? And they say, what do you do? And I'll be like, a motivational speaker. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, man, I'm like Peter over here denying Christ. You know, it's like. I'm over here, rooster, starting crowing and stuff. It's just... But I just I just try to fight that tendency to want to shrink back because of fear of what people might think or my opinion. I just try to keep leaning in and go, talk about what I'm passionate about. There's a story where Jesus beautifully set somebody free who had been demon-possessed. And he's free, and he's in his right mind again. He's just feeling of peace he's never felt before, and Jesus and the disciples are leaving, and naturally he's like, I'm with you guys, let's go, and Jesus tells him no, I-, I love this, in uh, Mark, he says, Jesus says, didn't let him, he says, go home to your own people, tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you, I love that. I think that's one of the best things that we can do. Tell, tell people, let, let people know what He's done for you. If He's saved, you let them know. If He's healed, you let them know. If He's freed, you let them know. If you, you got peace, let them know. We don't got to be weird. We don't have to use King James English, 1600 English. Talk like you. Talk normal. Just be you. Be real. Be normal. But let people know because... I don't want to do stuff that sounds lame to you. If you're like, ah, this restaurant is it good? It's all right. Guess what? I'm not going to that restaurant. (laughs) But man, if you talk about how great it is and the service and the experience and the food, I'm like, let's go. Same thing with Jesus. Sometimes we get nervous, but it's like, come on, let's let our light shine. Let's use our voice. Let's let a passion come through that goes. Listen, I'm not perfect. And I don't got it all figured out, but I'm telling you what I found hope that I didn't think I could have before. I found a peace I didn't think I'd have before. God, God restored my, you know, whether it's your marriage or your kids or what. What has God done? Tell people how good He's been. I'm telling you what. Just in the last few years, we made a big faith move from Seattle down to uh, the San Diego area. We left the the full time uh, jobs there. Step into traveling and ministering and encouraging churches like this, and became a part of a great church called C3. But that was at a volunteer capacity at the time, and, and we just stepped out in faith. We were trusting God, and we we're going, "Come on, we know you're in this thing." The stuff wasn't happening exactly as fast as we thought it would. The fridge was getting a little empty. We were believing for God to step up and do something. And Katie, my wife, and you know, was like, "Come on." She had this mantra that came out of her spirit, we trust Jesus. So we're like, okay, we're fighting for that. Let's believe, let's stay in faith. And it was one time where I just put our beautiful little girls to bed. This was a few years ago. And, and then I was like, okay, babe, let's pray. Let's God stay in faith. God's good. And uh, But it was tough. You ever been in those moments and you're praying? Uh, the best way I can describe it is, you know, they say it's slow as molasses. The prayer felt as tough as molasses it was like just ah, trying to stay in faith for the moment. And we're praying believing And i'm praying and then out of nowhere mercedes decides to come out of the bedroom and smack my butt in the middle of prayer she doesn't do that she's never done that she's never done that since i was like what the heck i said in jesus name amen Go to bed, we went to bed. The next day I wake up. I did send a random photo. I didn't even prepare the team to see if it would be there. It's a photo of some green boxes. I don't know if you'd have it to put it up, but you may not, but all of a sudden open up the door, and outside my front door is this, and it's hundreds of dollars of groceries that God had prompted somebody to send to our doorstep as a direct response to our prayer the night before. I mean, the fridge was empty, and I literally said, I was like, man, if God can send birds to feed the prophet in the wilderness, he can bring food to our doorstep. And the next morning, this is what happened. I'm telling you, he's been good to us. He's been faithful. Our God is so good, and he's been good to you. So come on, let's let some people know. Let's let our light shine. Let's let our light shine so people can see Jesus, so people can find the way home. Come on, church, you're not here on accident. You are a response to the pain of this city. You are a response to the cry of this city. And Jesus has called you and me to go and be the light of this world. Do you believe it? Give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet.